Welcome to the Steel Man Podcast, where we take a 15-minute look at a news story and try to have an honest conversation about it. My name is Will, and with me is Jay. Say hi, Jay. Hello, Will. Hey, Jay, how thrilled are you that a cabal of satanic cannibalistic pedophiles managed to defeat a cabal of white supremacist Nazi Russian agents? <laughs> so I'm actually, uh, uh, I'm of the mind, this is going to sound crazy, but if there is a crazy conspiracy going on, like if, if it's the worst possible scenario, right, the Illuminati's real, it's a shadow government, they're controlling everything, all elections are fake. I don't know, man, like my life's pretty good, I feel like they're doing a good job, so uh, let's keep them in power. Today we're going to discuss dis and misinformation. Specifically, I want to talk about AOC's suggestion that Congress should look into how to rein in the media environment so that you can't spew disinformation and misinformation. So one thing I want to avoid while we talk about this, Jay, is invoking the First Amendment or the Constitution. What I really want to discuss is, does the government have a moral mandate to abridge speech? And is that moral mandate more of a, a right than an individual to have an unabridged freedom to express it? Well, first, I want to point out that she's okay. She used the term "rain in the media," which has a pretty scary connotation. Honestly, "rain in the media" could mean uh, like China esque all out control over the media. But I think we're going to assume here that really what she's talking about is some sort of light brush stroke, something the government can do to help incentivize media companies to uh, point their energies and monetize themselves in such a way that doesn't hurt the public, but helps the public. Unfortunately, when I hear incentivize, I hear the government should punish people for doing things outside the bounds, whatever policy is put forth. So if I were to look at that option versus a commission that just goes ahead and preemptively strikes things out from being allowed or not, I have to question whether there's really a difference between those two systems if the outcome is the same. In my mind, that is similar to the government setting up a commission to define and regulate blue pens. Anything that falls outside this definition of a blue pen would be banned. Now, the issue with that is blue is a spectrum. You have blue-black and blue-green, and the commission's decisions would declare that blue is objective and would judge each pen accordingly. There would be blue-adjacent colors that should arguably still be considered blue despite the commission's decision. They would be banned. This type of unilateral decision is just arbitrary, unfair, and many people don't want to live under that type of dictatorial system. So I guess a solution to this problem is the incentive option that you were talking about, um, where the companies would be allowed to make pens, but the government would be able to say, we saw this pen on the market, it's not blue, uh, we're going to fine you until you get rid of it. Now, I mean, that to me is an issue. This creates this illusion, I would argue, that there's a freedom of choice. But over time, it would be known to the public what type of pen is and isn't allowed by the government and what, what they'll get fined over. They would essentially still be banning the pen as if the government had ordered it directly. The outcome's the same, and you would still end up with blue adjacent pens being banned unfairly, I think. But for some reason, by doing it efficiently, banning it up front through a commission, we all agree that's wrong. Well, I guess we don't all agree, but a lot of people agree that's wrong. But giving people the illusion they have a choice when they, in fact, do not have a choice is somehow good. And to me, this it doesn't make any sense. So when I bring this back to the spread of misinformation and disinformation, the government is still acting as the authority of what is and isn't relevant information. And these two mechanisms, at the end of the day, are still censoring speech. I mean, tax breaks are an incentive to do certain things, but you don't have to do those things. 
you just don't get you know money back from the government so in a way you're it's it's, it's a, like a bribe from the government to do the right thing that that does feel different to me cuz maybe you could imagine some government commission that's uh, uh, set by uh, some bipartisan pan- panel or something and allow businesses who choose to filter their information through that commission a tax break, that would be a way, you know, where there's no punishment, but there's incentive to use the bipartisan commission to, to uh, you know, make sure you're not spewing what they consider misinformation. Cool. And I think a, a question we have to ask ourselves here, too, is what counts as the media? If AOC wants to rein in the media... I agree with her, but I would count her as part of the media. I mean, she's out there on social media. Uh, She has her own website. She's incentivized to do and say certain things to get her ass elected and to drum up uh, support from her base, which, by the way, makes her money. If she wants to reign in the media, she needs to be a part of it. So she should be fact-checked. Uh, just as much as anybody else. That would be part of the process is you have to define exactly what the media is if you're going to rein it in. Yeah, that is a good point. Um, And really, how good can the media be as a check against the government if the government is the one that decides it? It's kind of like a regulatory capture situation. And another big thing that I I guess we would want to differentiate is what information is misinformation and what information is just a position that disagrees with another widely held position. You know, in everyday political arguments, you hear people accuse the other side of spreading disinformation, and this type of stuff would just be subject to the government's oversight. Yeah, we see how state powers can control information to their own advantage to keep power and keep tyranny over people. Uh, So just to make a broad point real quick, if you're steel manning this position, I think it involves this understanding of history that the biggest credit you can give to a state is that they are a check on the power of the wealthy and uh, the rich and the powerful, the aristocracy, basically. And, then, and, and it's in the states where you've got a balance between the aristocracy and the state that you get something that's, that's close to uh, something more democratic that's not one group of people having absolute control. So I would say, you know, in the U.S., we are very much against big government. We have a very healthy skepticism of giving the government too much power. But at some point, you have to recognize that our private sector seems to have the power in in the U.S. way more than the state. Uh, if that becomes the case, a tyranny of the state is not necessarily worse than a tyranny of the, the aristocracy, right, or the 1%. If we get if you get to a point where the government is in the pockets of all the private sector, then they've lost their ability to check the aristocracy, so to speak. So uh, that's part of my steel man is to say the, the U.S. Has, is becoming a tyranny of corporations. The one percent they but they buy politicians. If the if this isn't going to spiral out of control into a tyranny of the aristocracy, the state needs to check the aristocracy, and this would be a step towards it to say that the state can look at, especially social media companies, and regulate or whatever word you want to use to get them to behave in a responsible way that's good for the people, which absolutely includes making sure they don't spew bullshit misinformation just because they're making money off of it. Yeah, 
I, I would agree that would be their uh, strongest argument. The the only pushback, and I don't want to go too far into it, but I, I do want to mention it, is uh, I think that works on an assumption that is wrong, uh, and that's the idea that the government and the rich aren't one and the same. I would argue that they are always one and the same. But but beyond that, I, let's talk about... Well, so we set in place the idea that the government has to protect us from the 1% as uh, just their mandate. So would this include censoring the media? So I, I guess the argument would be that the government is morally obligated to censor the media because doing so prevents the spread of misinformation. And they need to do that because the media's incentive structure propagates the spread of dis and misinformation. Which is another reason you count on the government putting their foot down in place and saying, okay, good, you're, we're glad you're making money, but you're becoming too powerful, you know, so uh, too influential, so we need to, you know, maybe stop you. Uh, because part of the whole misinformation being a problem is the fact that you get people to click on things that are outrageous and extreme and that piss you off the most. That's what engages people. That's what gets us fired up is stuff that pisses us off. Like, I think there's a question to be asked here. Is it different to regulate the way social media incentives work, like what they are incentivized to do, the type of information they're incentivized to put out into the world? If you're regulating that, is it different than just all out censorship by the government? And yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure. I think uh, I think it's definitely different. So maybe what the government should be doing here, instead of forming a commission to decide what the truth is, like a ministry of truth, what what a what maybe a more elegant solution is, if you accept that the government needs to step in here and do something, is to look into the inner workings of how the internet incentivize the ad-based revenue system of the internet and social media. If incentives are the problem, and these incentives propagated the spread of misinformation, uh, then that spread happens because of market demands. The people who respond to these incentives and consume this information have decided, at some point individually, that that's the type of information that they wanted to consume. If they're at fault for responding to those incentives, then they're the reason that the system exists as it is. So if that is the issue, if that's true and the problem for social media, then those same people are the same people that vote and put people in power in the government. Yeah, then I think I think the response would be to that is, so you mentioned that at some point people, consumers, made a choice that this is how they yeah. want to consume. Yeah, I don't know. I think you can make the argument nobody ever actually made that choice. Nobody thought about it. Uh, you just most of us just go along with whatever people want us to do. If it and we don't realize often when we're getting we're we're putting ourselves into a, a situation or contributing to something that's ultimately bad for us. It's kind of like a, a collective action problem, where no one is incentivized to do the thing that's best for everybody, which is what we're saying in this case, is making sure that anytime you post anything, that it is completely accurate. If people are unable to properly make the right decision to spread certain information, right? Right, like the, you're under the whims of your biases and your the worldview you grew up learning was right, and you right. Uh, sort of subconsciously seek out 
confirmation of your worldview how and can, disregard so the how, truth. So how can they, they say people vote correctly? Yeah. Any problem you can point at when it comes to social media is the same problem you can point at when it comes to government. So you can't have the same problem exist in both systems and expect one to solve the other. Right. Then what I, the response to that would be, this is actually different. Going to the polls to vote on who you want to be in government uh, is a known thing. Like we, That's something that's not new at all. The social media environment and how it affects our brains and how we process information, that's something new that at the very least people should be educated on. I think you'd have to be more educated to vote than to post a Facebook meme. <laughs> well, hey, man, if it's up, if I'm dictator of the United States, I, I'm just I'm suppressing voting and the use of social media. But no, I I see what you're saying. I think I think yeah. if uh, yeah. if I'm doing my best to point out how this, you know, just because people are stupid doesn't mean that the collective like individuals, I agree, are idiots. We're all fucking morons. Uh, like we do so many things that are bad for us and then convince ourselves later. Well, it's free choice. I wanted to do that, that we end up we're, we're totally fine hurting ourselves. We're even more totally fine hurting everyone collectively as long as we don't have to feel bad about it. But in the very broad philosophical sense that the government is supposed to protect the public from hurting itself. And by that, I mean hurting each other with our collective action problem. And I don't see a fundamental philosophical problem with the government doing that. They're doing it with tobacco, firearms, drunk driving. And, and if people vote yeah, that I, in, if people vote in the politicians who say, yeah, this is a place where we want to regulate. This is a place where we think is a big enough problem in society being social media or the media, media's incentives then I don't see a huge scandal there. Yeah, well, I just think if we can both agree that the individuals are dumb, I, I think that just implicates that the group as a whole is even dumber. So I don't, I just don't, I think you have a problem there. And I don't think there any solution posed by the group is going to resolve anything. But let me, let me push back on one thing you said. I disagree that on the assumption that collectively, we're dumb just because individually we are. I think the only virtue human beings and the only hope we have of improving society or doing anything is the fact that we can work together to figure out and accomplish things that individuals can't do. If a whole is the sum of all of its parts and all of its parts are bad, how can the whole be good? Because the that logic applies in a math problem but not to the interplay between uh, human individuals. Well, I think that was pretty good. Do you have anything else? Um, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. Listen to this. Well, we're out of time. <laughs>